Last Sunday was Pentecost Sunday, and I want to encourage you, if you missed um, our message last week where we explained kind of the backstory to Pentecost, I uh, encourage you to go check that out either here on YouTube or um, on our website or on um, our podcast that's on Apple or Spotify. Uh, last week as I was studying uh, Pentecost, I came up with a really long sermon that was about 50 minutes, and I thought I could either preach a 50-minute sermon on Pentecost or I can cut it in half and do uh, part one uh, and part two. And so I figured you would prefer like 20 to 25-minute sermons over one 50-minute sermon. And so uh, last week we talked about kind of Genesis 11 and the Tower of Babel and kind of how all that plays into this moment in Acts 2. And today, uh, or you know, for this week, I uh, wrote a really great sermon. Uh, here it is. And it was called The Seven Marks of the Holy Spirit. And I kind of w- walked through, uh, if, if you can't guess, I'm not going to preach this. I uh, walked through uh, kind of how the Spirit falls and kind of the, the signs and the evidences we see of the Spirit. There's the sound of, I'm, I'm going to give it to you here, right? The sound of uh, the mighty rushing wind and what that means and like the hint to Nicodemus in that conversation Jesus had about the wind. And then there's the sight of fire and what it means to be clothed with fire. And I had this great clip from from the Hunger Games of where Katniss and and Peta are kind of clothed with fire as they kind of come in this processional in front of their enemy. Then there is the third sign is the tongues and explain what speaking in tongues is all about. I know that was just riveting for you. And then I was going to look at you know Peter's sermon where uh, the Holy Spirit transforms him from a coward to this like really bold preacher who's like preaching to the people who crucified Jesus that he was afraid of which is a great sermon that you should go read and how Peter really proclaims Jesus and how Acts 2 is not about an experience but it's about Jesus being proclaimed um that had some great quotes. And then I went to elsewhere in the scriptures where we see the marks of the Holy Spirit. Like the fourth mark is that the Spirit brings new salvation. In 1 Corinthians 12, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. I was gonna explain how if you've even been saved, you've already had an experience with the Holy Spirit because that's how Jesus saves you is he baptizes you in his spirit. And the result is that your life gets awakened and you get a new heart and you're a new creation and you're kind of, as we would say, born again or born from above as Jesus says to Nicodemus, and, and that that's really the work, the beginning work of the Holy Spirit. I was gonna talk about the fifth mark that the Holy Spirit brings freedom. Second Corinthians three, where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. Now freedom is this gift and a byproduct that God gives us. Six, the Spirit creates a unity. In Ephesians four, it says that we are to be eager to maintain the unity of the Holy Spirit through the bond of peace. And that unity with one another is not something we create or manufacture. It's something the Holy Spirit authors. It's the unity of the Spirit. He owns it. And our job is to not jack with it, not mess it up. And often that's what we do is we mess up the unity that God has already created. And then uh, lastly, the last mark is I was gonna end with the end of, of Acts two and that the Holy Spirit builds family and look at this um, this wonderful passage that that I think should be the the, the mark and in the kind of the, the the target and the aim of every New Testament church as I walked through that sermon it was all good and it's true but that last mark I felt the Holy Spirit just focus on and like double tap on. And and I really sensed God speaking to me about this last mark that the Holy Spirit builds family. And um, 
I just kind of got this nudge of like, hey, Drew, um, I want you to speak on that last one. You know, there's like seven things here you could speak on. That last one is really what I'm interested in right now. And so uh, if you want the whole sermon, email me and I'll email you the PDF of what I've written out. It's good, I think. But I sense God speaking to me most about this uh, last thing, the very end of Acts 2. And I want to submit it to you, and I'm kind of curious to see if God is speaking this to us, if God's speaking that to you, if this is a word for our church right now. Uh, We're in a very kind of crucial transition season, as all of us are in all of our domains of of the world and, and of our life. And uh, so what I want to title this message is, um, I think, I'm just real in real time, um, what we really need. What we really need. Um, what we really need as a church. This, this is what I want to title. So um, I would love to um, just, uh, I'm just going to flip the scripture. I'm going to pray again, and then we'll read this portion. And then I just would love to share from my heart some of the things that I feel the Lord impressing upon me. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the giver of life. Jesus, we thank you that you are the Son of God, the Son of Man, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, our great high priest, the good shepherd, our pastor, the the great shepherd of our souls, and that you are the baptizer of the Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for your love and your life, your energy, your boldness, your comfort, and how you infuse us with Abba, how you make it possible for us to have divine union with God. I pray that you would enter this moment, that you would enter this time, and I give my thoughts to you, I give my words to you. Give me eyes to see, give me ears to hear. Give us hearts to understand and give us hands and feet to obey. It's in your wonderful name we pray, amen. I'd love to read uh, Acts 2 to you. Um, And we read the beginning of Acts 2 last week. Um, Actually, this is kind of a fun thing. If you read the beginning of Acts, Acts 1, we find out that the author of Acts, Luke, is really offering a follow-up. He says, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up after he had given commandments through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering to by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Jesus' favorite subject was the kingdom of heaven. So what we know is, is uh, Luke was, was a physician for Theopolis, went and investigated this stir about Jesus. Luke's the only Greek, non-Jew. He's the, gen, the only Gentile uh, writer of, of the scriptures. Um, and uh, Luke's gospel is really the account of what well, he says, all that Jesus began to do in Acts, um, my Bible says Acts of the Apostles, could also be seen as the things that Jesus continued to do. So Luke is what Jesus began to do. Acts is what he continued to do, but he did it through his spirit and his apostles. 
um, which is a great little, great little thing. So, um, you know, Acts two, Acts two, chapter one, uh, chapter two, verse one says, "When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound." like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And here's kind of just how diverse this, this, situ, this uh, setting was ethnically. I'm going to probably mess some of these names up. Apologize. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Figria, I don't know how to pronounce that one, I, I apologize, and Pamphylia, Egypt, that one's easy, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, that one's easy, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God, and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking, said, they are filled with new wine. Then you get the, the sermon from Peter, where Peter stands up with the 11, lifts up his voice and addresses them. You know, these people were not drunk as you suppose. It's only the third hour of the day. And he quotes the prophet Joel. And then he, he lifts up Jesus. And this is amazing in verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up accordingly to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Here's the boldness. You crucified and killed by the hands uh, of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. And he quotes David, um, and he kind of goes on and on. And, and I, I love the the um, the boldness there. And the reality is at the end of this, I think about uh, uh, 3,000 uh, people were saved, right? Now here's the point I want to double click on, verse 42, this passage. And this is as I studied this, this is where I just felt the Holy Spirit just kind of double click on it and double tap on it and say, this is for you. Here's kind of the effect of the Holy Spirit falling on his people. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord, the Lord did this. The Lord added to their number, day by day, 
those who are being saved. Hear the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, I'll, I will, um, I'd love to just let this speak to the situation that, that we are in right now as a church. Um, and I will, I'll, I'll just, you know, confess and be honest with you, as I always do, but I want to explicitly share some vulnerability here is, um, you know, this year, the, these 15, 16 months, whatever, however long it's been, I think we would all say this has been hard. One of the prevailing thoughts that I've had is um, is COVID going to kill our church? And there are days where I am excited at the new opportunities and I'm a creator and I'm a maker and I'm a pioneer. And there are days where I'm frightened and I'm scared. And I don't know what the future looks like. Um, you know, I, I look at what God has given us to work with. And on one hand, I'm incredibly grateful that we haven't had to lay anyone off in this last year. And we've, we've actually added an employee and we've pivoted some things and, and we've changed some things. Um, and on the other hand, I'm like, Lord, I wish we had a building. I wish we had a chapel. I wish we had a sanctuary. I would love like a little 200 person chapel with stained glass windows. And I'd love to see um, our young, intergenerational, but, but we skew younger because I'm young. I'd love to see our young growing congregation in an old kind of building and that juxtaposition would be beautiful. And I don't know if that's God's will or if that's my will, but I'd love to see that every week. Um, I miss hearing everyone sing. I miss seeing the kids run around. I miss serving you communion. I miss praying with you. And the, the reality is, um, God has not given us those resources. And I know that uh, as a result of that, we'll lose some of you. And we already have. And I'm afraid we'll lose more as we live into what this, uh, see, you got me crying. Um, as we live into what the summer and the fall and the rest of this year hold for us, we don't know. And so for a while, I've, I've, I've had this, this um, belief that we need a building. And what I heard the Lord say to me yesterday is, no, you don't. And maybe he'll give us one, I don't know, but um, what I hear the Lord saying, at least to me, and I want to offer it to you, is what we need is more of God's spirit. What we need is more of his presence. 
what we need is more of his power. What we need is more of his life. <laughs> and I, I know, and I think you know this too, because I've heard your stories. It's entirely possible to have millions of dollars and the best real estate in the city in a beautiful building in stained glass windows and programs. It's entirely possible to have those things and not have God's presence. And it's entirely possible to have God's presence and to be doing his will and to be honoring him and to be fulfilling the great commandments and the great commission and Jesus' commandments and, and, and the great requirement. And it's entirely possible to be faithful to the ministry that God's given you, given us, and not have all the toys and trinkets that come along with American Christianity. So my prayer as we think about what it looks like to emerge in a public situation post-pandemic, and it's, I think it's right and necessary to like wrestle with, you know, where do we meet? How often do we meet? What can we afford? Where does God want us to be? All that stuff. I think that's needed and wise to do. But deeper, I look at this text in Acts. And I want a church like this. This is the type of church I want to be a part of. Now, I want to um, uh, I I share something with you, okay? I have been in um, ministry for 19 years, coming up on two decades. I feel old. I got started young. I'm young. I got started young. I went from high school right into ministry. And I have uh, been a part of several churches, and I have served and volunteered at several churches. I've been on staff at several churches. This is the second church that I've planted. It's the first church I've led. And over two decades, I have um, had this experience where, you know, someone is new, comes and visiting, and they're trying to like, you know, check out, is this the church for me? And they're, I call it kicking tires, which is totally good. You, you should, you know, do your due diligence before you commit. And what's fascinating, and I didn't realize this till yesterday, so this is a fresh observation to me, is um, I've, I've gotten lots of questions over the years. Is this going to be a big church or a small church? How do y'all do uh, small groups? Uh, what's y'all's vision for kids ministry? Um, what's the style of music? Are you, you know, pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib? Are you... Um, you know, Calvinistic or Arminian? Are you high church or low church? Where are you on the candle, so to speak? Are you non-denomination? What's your denomination? Uh, you know, all sorts of like things. And that's not wrong, okay? So I'm not shaming anyone for asking those questions. Those would be some of my questions too. But the kind of the Kairos moment, the, the aha moment that I had yesterday was in two decades of ministry, 
in all of the you know next steps that we've done and all of the new membership classes type things that I've been a part of, I can't remember one Christian ever coming to me with Acts 2 and says, can you, I'm, I'm curious on what does it look like here to be devoted to the apostles' teaching or the scriptures? Um, what is what does it look like? What does y'all's fellowship kind of look like? How, how do y'all organize towards fellowship? Um, tell me about the breaking of bread. Like, like, do y'all eat? Do y'all get together? Like, tell me your theology of food and meals. And like, do y'all just worship together or do y'all actually break bread together? Tell me about prayer. Um, like, how, how does this church pray? How can I learn to pray? How can I pray for others? Tell me about the awe that comes upon every soul here. Or tell me about the, the signs and wonders that God is doing um, uh, in your midst. Um, tell me about the church unity. Uh, you know, here it says all who believe were together and had things in common. Can you um, explain to me how your people, how the people here um, share things in common and are, are together um, to tell me on, on how people are leveraging their resources, even if it means selling things, to meet the needs of others inside the community and outside the community. Um, tell me how we attend the temple together, that like macro gathering of worship. Uh, tell me um, how there's, again, breaking bread in the homes. And, 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 and we, could you tell me, do people here? Do they receive the, their food with glad and generous hearts? Like, is there is there just a general spirit of gratefulness and generosity and gladness and joy, especially when food comes? Uh, tell me about um, how we praise God. Uh, tell me how how God has given you favor with with people in here and out out here. Uh, could, you, could you tell me how the Lord is growing this church and how the Lord is adding day by day those who are being saved? I've never, in 20 years, 19 years, I can round up to 20, right? That's what we do. I've never experienced somebody come with the end of Acts 2 as, as one of the litmus test for the community and I think one of the things I feel challenged with is that it's easy and it's quite American to, as we re-engage, to go, um, to look at all these externals, like, is there a building? Is there a weekly worship service? Is there this? Is it big? Is it small? What's the style of music? Um, you know, what's, you know what, what are the politics of, of the preacher or whatever? I think Acts 2 is a better litmus test. I think Acts 2 is a better measuring stick. So if anything, this is a bit of a confessional to you that um, recently I've been kind of down in the dumps on all the things we don't have to meet the American appetite of, of, of Christianity. And what I sense the Lord is saying is, all you need is me. All you need is my spirit. And that this is the type of community that God would like to build even more in our church. So um, 
there you go. There's the uh, the non-sermon for this week. I don't have a clear call to action. I'm sorry. I'm breaking all of my rules. Would you join me? Here's here's one. Would you join me in praying for this? Would you open up Acts two regularly? And use Acts 2 as a prayer prompt for our church body. And that more than anything that we need, we need God's spirit. We need the presence of Jesus inside of us to create this. And if we have him, if we have his spirit, we'll be okay. We'll we'll be able to fulfill uh, the mission and the ministry that God has given us. He cares about our church. He cares about our mission. He cares about the needs more than we do, more than we could ever. And so uh, perhaps that's a call to action is to, uh, would you join me in, in valuing this and praying for and receiving more of God's presence in your life? Let's do it right now. I'll show you one way you can do it. God, we do confess that you care about the the future and the rest of this year more than we do. God, I confess allowing the script of fear and worry to get in the way of what I hear you saying. I ask that you would deliver me from that. Jesus, replace the fear that I have with your faith. Author and perfect a better faith in my life right now. We ask that you would help us as your people to devote ourselves to your teaching, to your scriptures, and to fellowship with one another. Help us to be devoted to breaking bread with one another and praying with one another, for one another, together. God, I ask that you would bring all upon every soul in our church and that you would bring signs and wonders. Would help us to be together and to have things in common and where there is need, help us to leverage the resources and wealth you've given us to meet those needs, even if it means selling something. Lord, teach us how to attend the temple together, how to worship in your house and what that looks like logistically, we surrender to you. And God, help us to again value breaking bread in our homes. Help us to receive food with gladness and joy and with generous hearts. And open our mouths, help us to praise you, God. Give us favor with all people. Lord, we ask that you would be the one to grow our church and you would add to our number those who are being saved. It's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen.